The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome. Thank you, as always, for choosing to listen to the Paul Leslie Hour. I am honored that you're here. On this episode, we have an interview that I recorded back a few years ago. It's, it's getting on towards 10 years, actually probably longer, with the great Michael McDonald. This took place shortly after the recording of his album Blue Obsession, which is a really great record. He talks about a number of things in this interview, working with Jeff Bridges, and also the inspiration behind the Doobie Brothers song, It Keeps You Running. I've always liked that song, and I always think of the movie Forrest Gump when I hear that song now. You might remember that it's one of the songs that plays when Forrest is running. We talk about the songwriter John Goodwin and a number of other topics. I think you're going to find Michael McDonald to be a very thoughtful and, needless to say, soulful man. If you want to support the mission of the Paul Leslie Hour, and that is getting more than 16 years of interviews out there and into the world, just go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. Let's get into the interview with Michael McDonald. Let me know what you think. Aloha to a musical legend, Michael McDonald. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks, Paul. It's great to talk to you. All right. We're talking about an album you have called Blue Obsession. Uh, this album was released on Millboat Records, and uh, it's a bit of a turn from some of your other music, uh, some of the old sound, but some uh, some new styles as well. Um, tell us about how you got inspired to uh, take on this album. Well, um, it's a record that I did uh, when I moved first moved to Nashville, and um, coming down here, uh, of course, I was just kind of finding my way around and. You know, I had a couple of uh, songs I had written in California that I brought with me. I thought we might be a good start for record one. Two called uh, Someday You Will and uh, No Love To Be Found was another one. And uh, a song titled uh, Obsession Blues. And um, uh, we, we actually cut the demo for two of them here in Nashville. I actually wrote them here in Nashville, but I, uh, I had just moved here then and uh, in a basement studio down in the, uh, on Music Row called the Love Shack. It was just myself, uh, Billy Livesey on organ and, uh, Bernie Chervelli on, uh, guitar. We cut them with a drum machine, you know. So we kind of proceeded from there over to a little studio called the Dugout and, uh, on, again on Music Row and, uh, I wound up at the Bennett House, uh, in Franklin and it seemed like we were always recording in the houses, you know, old houses, uh, around Nashville. Um, and then, you know, the record just kind of developed from there. And, uh, we, at that time, we were doing it for Warner Brothers, but, uh, in the course of things, uh, I was dropped from Warner's and, uh, and, um, I, they were nice enough to let me take the record with me, which I thought was, was, you know, uh, extremely generous of them. And, um, but, you know, we had a long relationship and, and um, they were, like I said, you know, uh, very nice about that. And I, I took the record with me and released it on Ramp Records, which is a label that I started with uh, Chris Polonis and Jeff Bridges in Santa Barbara, out of Santa Barbara. And uh, we did uh, really only two projects officially that I know of, of anyway. <laughs> um, one being Jeff's album, Be Here Soon, 
which was an album I produced with Chris Balonis and, and Jeff. And, uh, and it was just a, a great deal of fun. I mean, we had a great time making that record. It was such a different kind of, of uh, eccentric and kind of, uh, kind of delightfully quirky record. You know, the lyrics were really humorous and funny. And, and uh, it was just, you know, such a different kind of project. And uh, we were real fresh, uh, a breath of fresh air for me at that point in my life. And stuff. Um, and then my record, they had a place to kind of come out of. And so we released Loop Session also on that label just about the same time. And between the two records, we made enough money to stay afloat. You know, we kind of, we, we remained solvent, kind of made our money back, you know, more or less. And they even made a little money on the deal. Um, it wasn't anything great. And neither one of the records sold all that much, but they, uh, they sold enough to kind of pay our costs and, uh, production costs on both of them. And so it was, uh, it was a good deal, you know. We uh, we felt like we were a success, even though you know we were just a small, fledgling label, and still are, you know. Um, but it it was a great home, I think, in some ways for Blue Obsession because it allowed me to change the record somewhat in ways that I probably wouldn't have been allowed to had I remained on a major label. There's another song on the album uh, that had some lyrics that really struck me, and that's uh, "All I Need." Uh, uh, all I need is just one answer I'm looking for. Could you tell us a little bit about that song? Yeah, I wrote that song with Tommy Sims. And uh, at the time we wrote that song, um, um, it uh, was uh, kind of a melody that Tommy had, I think. And, uh, and I was pretty much assigned to the kind of, the, uh, you know, uh, the lyric, uh, you know, myself. And, uh, um, and then, you know, we, we always kind of switch hit, you know, melody lyric with, you know, uh, both the musicians and stuff. But I was, that was primarily my job on that tune was, uh, was a lyric, you know, to fit the melody. You can't give me anything else. Just, uh, give me a little bit of hope that as long as I got a little bit of that, um, I can get through whatever's coming next, you know. And that's kind of what the song was about. Speaking of hope. Uh, there's a song we played on the last episode, and that was uh, Someday You Will. And that was a song I just thought was so inspiring. Um, I really liked the song. So tell us uh, a little bit about that song. Well, uh, that, that song's great for me, personally. It's a great example of something I've come to find out about songs, it just being a songwriter, is, uh, over the years, you, know, you write a song, and you're always amazed at how people interpret those songs. You know, you think you know what the song means, you know, because you wrote it about, and you usually have something specific in mind. But then you'll hear people come up and go, you know, that song really got me through this, this, or that, or, you know, I really love that song, you know, because for me it means personally, or, you know, I, I took it to mean this. And many times it's so much different than really what you had in mind. And, and yet, sometimes uh, some of the, the interpretations people come up with are, are actually better than <laughs> originally wrote the song about. Um, and in this case, uh, this song has that kind of like duality in, in, in a sense. I wrote it for a friend of mine who had had a stroke, a guy I grew up with and played with for many years, Chuck Sabatino. In fact, uh, we played together up until he passed, uh, until he had the stroke and then passed. But he had a terrible stroke. He, he, he was just completely debilitating. I love this guy to death, and then, and I wrote the song for him, thinking, you know, somehow this is all going to make sense. Somehow you're going to rise out of it, 
Phoenix out of the ashes with this thing. Somehow, you're going to be back you know, with some grasp of your life. And, you know, um, and I just believed, being who he was, that it wasn't possible for that not to happen for him, of all people. You know, As it turns out, really, I think the song was more a song for us and not him. He passed away shortly after that and um, on his birthday. And at the time he left, he was very much at peace with it. You know, he, he did reach that place where he accepted any, what would happen to him. And he, he was aware enough of the people around him and to, to, you know, feel a really profound love for everyone that even beyond what he was capable of before. And that would be saying something because he was always, if he was anything, he was a very loving guy, you know. And, um, uh, and so Chuck, passed on, you know, and uh, and I realized that, you know, this song um, is really more for us now to understand, you know, why this happened and why this happened to someone like him. You mentioned earlier you were talking about Jeff Bridges and the CD that you helped him produce along with Chris Polonis. Uh-huh. Um, one of his friends, John Goodwin, uh, I recently... Um, started liking his music. Tell us a little bit about John. John is great. He's a great songwriter, really. I write with him a bit, and um, and uh, he's just a wonderful guy anyway. I mean, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, very few people have made me laugh as hard as John Goodman. He's, he's just really one of those guys. He's got a very sardonic kind of sense of humor, and he's, you know, Um, 
I would like to say to the world uh, that uh, we, you know, I guess I would just like to say that you know we're all different religions, we're all different cultures. We don't understand each other very well, obviously. You know, uh, but one thing that we can all agree on, that we should be able to agree on, is that we all believe uh, universally that. Uh, there is one God, and He made us all. It doesn't matter whether we agree on who God is or what God should be called. Uh, but we do fundamentally agree that there is one God, and He made all of us. You know. So, based on that belief, on that understanding that we can maybe have with each other, uh, I think we can also come to the conclusion fairly safely that uh, this God however you understand him to be, uh, it's very likely he prefers that we live in peace together, you know, more than anything else. You know, I can't imagine any God worth worshiping, um, you know, that uh, worth you know believing in, that would actually want us to uh, be cruel as we can be to each other. I think that's just our rationalization. Of God uh, and to use him to our own ends and, 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 uh, and to our own uh, pension for inhumanity, you know, uh, and being not who he intended us to be, you know, um, where our own self will runs riot. We have a bad habit of, uh, you know, deeming that God's will, you know, ordained by God. In most cases, that's pretty much a lot of bullshit, you know. Um, Basically, any God worth worshiping, worth really believing in, I I'm pretty, feel pretty safe in assuming that he wants us to live in peace together more than anything else we could do. And he wants us to be good to each other. And, uh, and he wants us to pray for peace. And that's what I would say. Mr. McDonald, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to us. Paul, thank you so much. Goodbye.